0: Welcome back to The Prestige, all about films, filmmaking and film theory.
1: Each week we pick a movie, review it, talk about it and discuss some of the ideas and themes that it throws up.
0: And as always we end the show with our recommendations for further reading inspired by this week's film.
1: But before we kick off, a quick catch up on what else have been watching. So Rob.
0: This week I have seen a film that I wanted to see, as soon as I saw the trailer I wanted to see it, but I appreciate it isn't everyone's cup of tea. And that is the film from The Lonely Island... Pop star, never stop, never stopping.
1: <laughs>
0: Anyone who's probably seen SNL will know the group, but uh, Andy Sandberg, who is the sort of the main pop star in this, is the breakout character, but actor from that going on to do things like um, Hot Rod and, most famously, Brooklyn Nine-Nine. It tells the tale of um, Connor Fariel, who is the now solo former boy band member Played by Nick Hamburg, his latest solo album, and the fallout from there. It is at the same time a biopic and a spoof of biopics. It is sort of behind the music TMZ style so thing, at the same time, a spoof of that. Um, they have a pedigree of comedy music, so the music in it is very good and very funny. Um, I really enjoyed it, basically. I thought it was funny, I thought it was heartfelt in nice places. There were an impressive range of cameos, as these things often rely on. Um, but the main three—the uh, main three—who who are the Lonely Island, as they're known, um, Andy, Jorm and Kiva—I thought were very, very good. Oh,
1: okay.
0: So yeah, pop star, never stop, never stopping.
1: Right. I have to say the trailer looked absolutely terrible, but Lonely Island are great.
0: I'm a big fan of Brooklyn no, Nine-Nine, so that, that carried mm-hmm. me through.
1: <clears throat> this week, um, I want to talk about The Maze Runner, um, which we put on as a Sunday evening film and thought it would be fairly enjoyable. Um, and my half's teacher, as well, teacher of secondary school kids, and a lot of the kids in her form who were I don't know, 12, 13. Um, are very positive about this particular set of young adult books on which the Maze Runner films are based. And so the lesson takeaway from this is do not get your film reviews from 13-year-olds who like reading YA dystopian fiction because the Maze Runner film is not great. Um, I say not great. It's it's actively bad. Um, it was... I think the the only good acting performance in it was Will Poulter, who was in The Revenant last year from the ridiculous The Sublime. Um, it was it, it it was dystopia by numbers. You knew exactly what was going to happen, and it was just I'm I'm not sure why it had to exist. Basically, uh, I looked at a synopsis of the book after and also the book on which the sequel is based and it seemed they left out a lot of stuff Um, maybe they left out stuff that would have actually made it interesting but there we go don't see the most runner fair enough so this week um, we are talking about a film that's it's a, it's a new one to Rob, and it's it's time I sprung a franchise on him after some weeks of Harry Potter that he uh, introduced me to. So it's the first of Richard Linklater's Before Trilogy, the Before Sunrise film.
0: All right, I have an admittedly insane idea, but if I don't ask you this, it's just going to haunt me the rest of my life. I have no idea what your situation is, but I feel like we have some kind of a uh, connection, right? Yeah, me too. Great. So listen, here's the deal. This is what we should do. You should get off the train with me here in Vienna and come check out the town. We just got into Vienna today and we're looking for something fun to do. Is English?
1: Yeah, well, yeah, because we speak German for a change.
0: Now I'm going to call my best friend in Paris, who I'm supposed to have lunch with in eight hours. Okay?
1: Okay? Okay. film from 1995 before Sunrise was written and directed by Richard Linklater. It stars, it only has two stars. Uh, Ethan Hawke plays the, a young American and Jude Delpy plays a young French woman. And it tells the story of this, this couple who decide pretty much on a whim to spend the night together, not in a the, in the sort of uh, spend the night together in a hotel way, but literally spend the night together walking around uh, the city of Vienna. And it's about the conversations that they have in this foreign city and their discussions of life, which are veiled or not so veiled metaphors for them talking about each other.
0: So Rob, what were your thoughts? (sighs) (sighs) (laughs) Now, I'm going to lay everything on the line here, guys. Anyone who knows me knows that my film tastes tend towards the more bombastic. I will advocate for Mad Max, any of the week, King Kong, Godzilla. These are the films I love. And I have been less than complimentary on indie films, shall we say, and films that uh, are not my cup of tea. And I went into watching Before Sunrise thinking, you know what, this isn't going to be my cup of tea. That being said, I did enjoy the film. I thought that the two main stars are very likeable and there's great chemistry there and it was certainly enjoyable spending the night with them in the same way they spent it with each other. I do question why this exists as a film rather than a a radio play or a book or anything that doesn't rely on a visual medium. Um, But it certainly wasn't a, a... Film that I disliked, in the same way I have I disliked other films to be watched. Um, it was just a bit. It was nice and easygoing, mm. but it wasn't anything more than that.
1: Well, good, Sam. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm glad actually. I'm glad your reaction was was along those lines because I don't disagree with you a huge amount. I mean, I, I've set this up as a franchise that I was was introducing as opposed to yours Um, but it's not it's it's by no means one of my favorite films it's not one of my favorite franchises Um, so I have no real problem with you saying that about the film because because I think it too. Um, I do think though that one of the strengths of this film is the script um, and I suppose this comes back to what you were saying about not sure why this exists as a film rather than a, a radio play or a short story or whatever um, but I do think the script is phenomenal and I think that with two less likeable actors the, the performances wouldn't have been so impressive and it wouldn't have been such an it it feels like an an impressive film not necessarily as a film as you've said but i i enjoyed the performances of both actors and and that was partly down to the scripts and partly also due to the the strength of the acting talent there um it it, it was gentle i mean i did the ironing while i was watching it it feels like that sort of film uh, it it feels like a a, a very gentle film. It's it, there's nothing offensive about this film at all. Um, so I'm 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 glad I'm glad in a way that your reaction was like that because yeah it, it wasn't your cup of tea. But then we've seen uh, people ha- who follow this podcast have seen you advocate films like Brick, which aren't necessarily your your mainstream no. bombastic. So it, it's it, it was it was pleasing to me that
0: that was that was your reaction. And um, I, I would caveat here that I talked about how much sure why this is a film, and I don't think that I mean, that isn't due to its its calm and gentle and slow cinema nature. Uh, you know, Brick is a great one. Brick is a film that is slow. Certainly, it isn't bombastic, but it's visually interesting. It has things to say visually, as well as on the script, and the only sequence in this film that I thought had something to say visually was right at the end when you sort of, that f- was flashback but not really flashback, but go you go see the places that they've touched during the night, and there's no one there now, or there's other people there, this, this, this and that was the only sequence in the film that had something to say visually. Apart from that, I'm not sure what I get from this film beyond reading the script. And the script is brilliant, like the naturalism of the two of them, I haven't seen Anywhere else recently, mm. and the the pure chemistry and the pure idea of them falling in love and, and that whole that whole journey they took us on there it was was brilliant mm. um, and i can't fault that in any way, especially the end scene when they're saying goodbye at the train like that that feels like this damn bursting of something they've been building up over, over the over the the hour and a half of the film, and you know like, I, I do want to stress i'm saying i'm not sure it's a film. I did enjoy it. I very much enjoyed watching this film, um, but it hasn't rocked my world in the way I think it has for some people.
1: Mm. Yes. I would disagree with you slightly. I, th- I thought there was, there, w- there was a moment that I thought was, was visually interesting and it made me think, well, this film is more carefully made and maybe it's more carefully filmed than we give it credit for, even though the the acting and the, the scripts are exemplary. And it was, um, there's a scene when the two of them are um, having dinner late at night on a barge on the Danube. Um, and the scene starts with Ethan Hawke talking and there is a shot of the candle between them. And then the the scene changes and you have a shot of his face. And then the camera pulls out. And you see his face framed by what's around him which includes Julie Zelpie's fringe I thought that mm. that was really clever that showed that someone had been thinking about the way that this is filmed and I don't think we would give give that enough credit
0: um I, I wouldn't say I think it's sloppily filmed I think there are you know if you talk about things like the dogma movement um, and the idiots which I think are sloppily filmed this isn't that they're certainly in Certainly, care taken, but I don't think that care extends to intent. Right.
1: Okay.
0: Uh, they aren't trying to say something with those visuals, and the visuals themselves aren't interesting enough to grab me. I hmm. those the words? Um, but all that being said, you know, if, if this was if this was if this was a a two handed play, I would bloody love it. Yes. Yes. You know, if this was a stage production. I would, I would be all over this mm. um, because it works in that kind of it's all about the two of them talking and it's refreshing to see a film like that but if you want to win me over on a film you need to bring something visually to that table mm. um, and I definitely did.
1: What do you think about the subjects that they were talking about? They were talking a lot about chance and freedom I suppose you, you got that that was connected to how they came together, but also this, the idea of time and time progressing and Judy Delpy's attitude to the the time of her life and death coming to her and Ethan Hawke's different ideas about time.
0: How did you feel about that? I mean, I felt that they... For me, the interesting thing was how the time revealed them. Um, That we uh, have... The start, they took. He has little. One he talks about, you know, being you know, twenty years in the future, and you you're married with a your husband, you're bored, and you think about the man you could have been with. I kind of think, mm-hmm. and the early, they're all kind of presenting this this face at the beginning or this section of themselves, and it takes the time for them to reveal things about themselves. And the I mean, talking script wise, there is this. Idea, I suppose, and this is kind of you look at the narrative structure of how they, how they roll out the things that you they tell you. They're very keen to talk about their futures far quicker than they talk about their pasts. Mm. They don't talk about their past. I mean, beyond a very superficial thing, they don't get into the meat and sort of details of their past until they're probably playing um, on the pinball machine no. later on. Yeah. That's the moment in which they talk about their their past and they're happy to talk about future well before that. But more pressing than that, they're even to talk about the present probably until the dynasty, until they have the fake um, phone call and, and talk, to, mm. talk to their, their friends. Um, they don't really deal with what they're doing. Yeah. But there is this kind of, I suppose, this through thought, the entire thing of this ticking clock.
1: Yeah, yeah it's interesting. Picking up what you're saying about when they, when they talk about their past right at the beginning, but they're not really talking about their past. They're talking about a snapshot of the past that they're happy for someone else to see. Mm. And you're right that it it's only it, that pinball scene is is the starting point of it, and also the the fake phone call in the diner as well. But it, it's only then that they start talking about the reality of what's happening now and what could happen in it what how their past could could affect how they are now so you have her starting to open up about her therapy for for an example so even though you do have those sort of flashback ish moments at the start they're very curated it's very very much she shows mm. him what she wants him to see and vice versa yeah yeah
0: it's 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 that the time reveals Mm. them. It reveals the truth about them. Because I think if you look at the uh, particularly look at um, his character, the start of the film, he's very cynical in many ways Mm. about love. Um, He talks about his parents and talks about what love is to him, and he's very, very, very cynical about that. But you feel it is revealed over the film that he isn't. He isn't actually that cynical. It's, it's all a, sort of a facade to cover hurt, um, yeah. and and, and but not as much. But the same thing for her. She feels very she feels very practical early on, um, and that is revealed to be a, also a cover for sort of her romanticism of it. Um, and they grow to romanticize each other, but also romanticize the night and what it's going to mean to them in the future, um, and what what is the but the, the future of this. Of this night.
1: Mm. Yes, yeah. It's it's interesting though that they. This is then a film about the future that doesn't really talk about the future until, the the end of the film that doesn't seriously confront the the reality that they're going mm. to have to not meet or meet. You don't know what it's going to be. So this is a film about far into the future and she talks about her grandmother and how this suggestion she's is she's thinking how she could be like that and um, and you have him talking about the, the the fictional husband 20 hypothetical husband 20 years in the future so the, there's all this talk of what could happen and the possibilities from this moment and the potential for this night and yet they very
0: much don't talk about it at all. Mm. Well, I think all the way through, it's felt that this—that it was stressed. You know, this night was it. This night was all they had. Mm. Now, the reason why she got off the train was because she had this one night, and the way things was, this one night, and it felt—it felt resolute to that one night until their last minute together, I suppose. Yeah. And at which point they—they—they they, 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 they feel that the, the, the last. The last wall between them breaks down And the idea being that they can't they can't live in the future Knowing this was it That's all there was that there's something more here um, To them And that they need to embrace that And come back to it and do something else with it They can't just let it live and die in this one moment It, it, it can't be this perfect night And that's what it was in many ways It, it, is, it is the perfect romantic night and I think it's 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 interesting to embrace the idea that that actually has to have a future now.
1: Yes, and so it's interesting as well that they suggest that there can be no such thing as a perfect romantic night on its own because mm. it has to be seen as part of something. And if it isn't seen as something part of something, then it's it's actually quite a tragic moment. It, it's not beautiful and romantic. It's it's terrible and it's a reminder of, of loss and what you couldn't have.
0: Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's I suppose it's it's that young that young freedom giving way to adulthood a little bit. Mm. You know that they, they, they do seem at the start very kind of you know two kids on an adventure, um, and she seems very wise and he seems very young. And over the course of the film, they kind of. They grow to be adults but also at the same time, that kind of desperate need to feel that affection and feel that again. Um, and that's why I like the idea that I talk about that scene, that visual scene where we flash back to all the locations they've been during the night. That that's kind of... That's, that, that's them showing the passage of time. That the idea that these people, these snapshots of this night is only part of the ongoing future. Like all these places... You know that the guy by the river, the the, the c- corridor they sit in when they have that kind of big emotion, talking about being in love and being, you know, with somebody. They're there the next day. That these places, whilst this film is an enclosed snapshot, mm-hmm. that little scene shows that it isn't. That, that, that this story goes on and these places go on, and the, and that the, the continuum of, of time itself exists beyond their one snapshot.
1: I think that that could be saying something about film as well, because so often you tend to think of a film as a self-contained bubble, um, and well, this I suppose this gets down to the the reality of, of working in film, and you'll know about the the idea that there's this film world created, and you don't get any intrusions from the outside can can be a bit strange sometimes mm. and this is a film that sort of breaks down that idea of that film that says this will continue these places are still there after they've gone after this narrative there is still something to this place
0: yes and it also grounds that in reality i think i think we've all watched rom-coms that exist in rom-com world mm. yeah. where things take place in some sort of vague american city which isn't named you know things things out of the ordinary happen there, there are sweeping vistas of corporations of love and all this kind of thing and this felt like i suppose a, a reaction to that it felt like this um forcible rejection of that idea of what a romantic comedy is because it happens in a very real place in a very real time, and that sequence, like you coming back to that, that that flashback sequence, that grounds, as you say, it grounds it in a place and a time, and that, that rom com land doesn't get tied up neatly at the end of this film. That this stuff continues, mm. and you, it's notable that in those shots you have, you know, some places shut it up, and one you have, the, the shot of the um, the park where they they had sex, uh, or didn't have sex, I mean, it's left a little bit um, ambiguous. Um, that they've left their bottle of wine there and their glasses, and then old ladies walking through it. but the idea that it they, they has effects. They, they, these things they do in the places they go have effects mm. on the world, and the world affects them.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm glad. I'm pleasantly surprised by, by your response to this film.
0: Well, I mean, I think, I think, as I said, I think it's, it's a good, it's, it's an enjoyable film. It's a good film, um, but for me, I've seen this kind of film done a bit better elsewhere and I'll talk about that in a minute I'm sure we we'll need to our recommendations go on um, then
1: as, as you've started carry on with okay well
0: uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to go two ways of recommendations here both kind of thematic but one actual link so my first thematic one is I think a very clear through line from this film to uh, that film and that's the 2003 film Lost in Translation once again it has two people thrown together in a place, thrown together something they don't know. It's very slow, it doesn't really have a narrative, there isn't a neat resolution to these things. Um, But I think it trumps um, Before Sunrise in terms of its visuals. The the, the shots of Tokyo and the visual stylings of Sophia Coppola certainly elevate this beyond that. But I would balance that by saying I think that the interplay between Jesse and excuse me, between Jesse and Celine are certainly more naturalistic than the, the world of uh, Bill Murray and Scarlett Johansson. But I think that same sort of feel of the film, same sort of feeling of people kind of falling in some sort of love um, away from home.
1: Given the Lost in Translation is in your top five films of all time, yep. it's not really fair.
0: Oh, oh. no, I, I agree, I agree. <laughs> but what I'm saying is that like, this film made me think of that film. Right. Um, and you know no film's going to live up to lost in me because I think that is a film that I adore that captured me at the right moment and so yeah it, it, it's a hard comparison to make so I wouldn't make that but I think there are similar visual styling if you'd like before uh, before sunset before sunrise even before sunrise and it is very much your kind of thing then so is this going to be um, now my other recommendation is in many ways a precursor to before sunrise um, in that it has a very similar um, sort of style and very of thing, but also it comes from the same writer director, Britt And that is the, the 1991 film Slacker. and this is a film that is kind of thanked for birthing a lot of the American indie movement in the 90s. So, um, a lot of uh, Kevin Smith and his kind of ilk references a film that inspired them. Essentially, it's it's a similar sort of styling to Before Sunrise. But if the idea being that the first time they met someone else, the camera followed that person. So it's set in Austin, Texas, and the camera just follows people for five, ten minutes and follows them round this kind of, this world. Um, and it kind of has a similar lack of it, overall narrative, but kind of had a more, more free-flowing, more kind of gonzo stylings to the characters um, it embraces. It's certainly more comedic and it's certainly less romantic but it has a very similar feeling I and mean, you can clearly see the style of Later, how it's evolved from Slacker to Before Sunrise and there's a similar sort of visual style to his work at least um, so yeah, Slacker it isn't about lots people don't see it a lot but if you are interested in this work or even in American Indian cinema it is, it is a key text alright
1: good I have two films this week um, one of them has a oh, like you actually. They're both sort of thematically linked, but one of them has a direct link. Um, going for the direct one first uh, is an earlier film from Julie Delpy was the was the whole whole trilogy. That's another another link here. Is the Three Colors Blue film I would link to, um, and apart from the Julie Delpy link, I do think. That this film Before Sunrise has a strong connection with European cinema, so, whether it's the pacing or it's something to do with the visuals or it's maybe even is is the location that's put me in mind. So, um, Three Colors Blue is my first pick for those two reasons.
0: Excellent. I must confess that the Three Color Trilogy is one that is a um, a blind spot for me. I've never actually um, seen any of them.
1: Oh, we'll, we'll have to watch those after this. Um, <laughs> um, and my second one is a thematic link. It's the quite recent film Inside Lewin Davis, mm. which has a similar sort of wandering, possibly aimless tone, fairly plotless. Um, but Oscar... what's his surname? Isaacson? Isaacs? Yeah, Isaacs. <laughs> Isaacs. Oscar Isaacs is very good and it's just a generally quite a lovely film. It reminded me of this.
0: Excellent. Excellent. Well, guys, we'll be back next week with part two of the Before trilogy, uh, Before Sunset um, and we shall see if my mood is improved.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and before then you can get in touch with us. You can use this newfangled reddit thing that rob's going to tell you about now
0: uh we have a subreddit you can find it at kaiju fm um we put up all the shows there from everything on kaiju fm so uh, go there and i'll be in the comments come discuss things with us if you want to
1: and if not you can find us on twitter both of us at prestige podcast
0: or you can find just me at rob kaiju
1: and just me at life underscore academic
0: and we'll see you back here next week Prestige is a kaiju Industries production. Check out their other work at facebook.com forward slash kaiju industries. Rawr. Arr.